Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today we're going to go to Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to meet Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who had conquered much of the world. He had built this glorious city, Babylon, and he ruled the world from there. And he had captured Jerusalem, and he had taken the royal children captive. And in Daniel 3, we read about three of them, Shadrach, Meshesh, and Abednego. One day the king made a gold statue to himself. In Daniel 3.1, it says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, and its width six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Jura in Babylon. Then he commanded everyone to bow down and worship it when the music played. Talk about pride. And then in verse 4, then it says, A herald cried out, To you it's commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whosoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. In other words, he said, whoever does not bow will burn. You must bow or you will burn. You know, in life, we all face compromises, pressures to compromise, don't we? To do the wrong thing for an easy life, to bow when the music of this world plays, to take the quick fix, to, to bow to that sexual immorality, to the peer pressure. The devil says, bow to me or I'll burn you. I'll give you a hard time. And your faith will be tested to see what kind of faith it's made of. Some people have a superficial faith that depends on the circumstances. While everything's going well, well then that's fine. But as soon as things get tough and contrary, when those around them are, are worldly, they just compromise and, and to fit in with that and they fall away. But true faith is at the core of your being. You trust God, whatever's happening around you. You love God, who, whatever the people around you are doing. But it's the, when the pressure comes on us, that's when we find out what's really in our heart. Well, when the music played, almost everyone bowed and obeyed. In verse 7 it says, So at that time, when all the people heard all the sound of the music, all the people, the nations, the languages, they fell down and they worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Many compromise, you see. Why? Because they don't have that strength in their heart that they could stand. And it's God's word that gives you strength to stand in that time of pressure. You need to get your heart established in the word of God so that your heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. You make a quality decision, which is whatever happens, I will not compromise, I will not bow, I will only worship God. And while thousands around them were bowing down to the music, three young Jewish men stayed on their feet. They refused to bow. They stood out from the crowd. You know, you'll stand out from the crowd, you know, if your faith is strong. And as a result, they were reported to the king. In verse 12, it says, certain Jews, uh, this is the report that went back to the king. These Jews, it says, Shadrach, Meshesh, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid any due regard to you. They do not serve your gods. They do not worship your gold image. No, why? Because they were loyal to God. If you're loyal to God, you can't bow down to other gods. He had commanded them, you shall not bow down to any graven idol or image and worship any such thing. 
Worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And they were faithful to God, and you too need to have that decision in your heart. You will not bow down. Whatever pressure comes on you, whatever music of the world is playing around you, you will not bow down. And while they were bowed, all the people were bowed down, their eyes were on the earth. These young men were standing up strong and their eyes were on God. And guess what? God's eyes were on them. Because 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the earth, seeking those whose, to make himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And as God searched that crowd, he didn't see those people who were bowed down, but he did see those three young men. And his eyes were on them to show himself strong on their behalf. Do you have the strength to stand under the pressure, under the temptation, under the persecution? Or are you just going to bow under the first sign of trouble? 1 Corinthians 16.13 says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Well, when Nebuchadnezzar heard about this, he was very angry. In verse 13 we read, he was in a rage and in a fury and he gave a command to bring Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to him. And they brought them before the king and he said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship my image? Now, I'll give you a second chance, he says. If, when you hear the sound of the music, if then you fall down and worship my image, fine, good. But if you do not worship, you, I will cast you immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God? There's the challenge. Who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And he tried to intimidate them, you see. I'll give you one more chance. If you don't take this chance, I'm going to burn you. Bow, he said, or burn. And he said, who is the God who will deliver you? He says, I'm the king. I'm the most powerful person on the earth. I'm more powerful than your God. Worship me, he said. What a challenge to lay down. And these three were not intimidated. Do not be intimidated by the enemy. Verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, and I love their answer. He says, o, o Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. He says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from your hand, from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you've set up. You know, when the pressure comes on you, it's not enough to be silent. You know, we must be like these young men. We must not be intimidated. We must be not silent. Otherwise, you come under that control of that pressure. Under pressure, you must use your mouth like these, like these young men. Declare your faith in God. Speak your faith to the things that are coming against you. Don't be passive under pressure. Open your mouth and release your faith because faith has a voice. If you believe it in your heart, then confess it with your mouth. Because if your faith is not strong enough to move your mouth, how can you expect it to move a mountain? Well, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says that we, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, yes, you've got to have the word of God in your heart, what is written. And we have a, the spirit of faith, he says. Therefore, 
I believed, and therefore I spoke. And we also believe, and therefore we speak. The spirit of faith is not just to believe it, but to speak the word of God. And Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, For he himself said, I will never leave you or forsake you. See, when you're in that problem, when you're in that pressure, realize you're not alone. God is with you. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll not forsake you. Therefore, because God is with you, we may boldly say against that problem, he says, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear. The Lord will give me the victory. What can man do to me? Praise God. Well, it was through their faith that they overcame this attack. Hebrews 11.34 says, By faith they quenched the violence of fire. It was the faith of these three boys we need to see. Through their faith, God was able to come to their rescue. And they released their faith through their words. Well, you've got to realize how brave they were. This King Nebuchadnezzar, he was the most powerful man on earth. Most people would be terrified of him. But they made three tremendous declarations of faith right in his presence, with fury on his face. They looked him in the eyes and they told him. The first declaration they said is, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. In other words, he said, he, they didn't say, well, look, give us an hour, Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to talk among about ourselves and we'll come back to you and give you an answer. We've got to think about, we've got to think about this. They said, no. We don't have to think hard about this because our mind is already made up. We've already decided to worship our God. And when you're attacked, you need to be in that place where you have already made that decision. And therefore, you can immediately answer that attack with your declaration of faith. And what do they say? They first of all said, our God is able to deliver us. Praise God. We're not intimidated by you, Nebuchadnezzar, because our God is bigger than you. That's your first declaration of faith. Our God is able, not just God, but our God. I've got a covenant with God, and he's bigger than you. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. My God is able. I'm not afraid of you. We rise up and we say, nothing's impossible with God. My God is able. Whatever you're facing, declare, he's able to help me. He's able to deliver me. When under financial pressures, my God is able. If, he, if the enemy turns up the furnace seven times hotter, Declare, my God is able to deliver me. Do you believe that? The God who created the universe is able. The God who split the Red Sea is able. The God who does mighty wonders is able to deliver you. You've got to believe it and you've got to proclaim it. My God is able to save me out of this fiery furnace. Hallelujah. But they didn't stop there. They moved on to the next level of faith, which is not just that God is able. It says our God will deliver us. I love that. That's the spirit of faith, isn't it? He will deliver us out of your hand. Not only is he able to, he will do it. In other words, he's not just powerful enough, but God is faithful to do, to do it. Hallelujah. The king said, bow or burn. They said, we will not bow, king, and we will not burn. <laughs> Praise God. You know, you can't win by compromising. What you compromise to keep, you will eventually lose. You'll also lose your honor, your self-respect, your inner strength. But if you stand firm, refuse to give up, trust yourself to God, you cannot lose. God will not let your problems destroy you. He will not cause you to burn. He will come to your rescue. 
if you will trust in him, he will be faithful. But if you compromise, you'll end up losing it all anyway. You know, I used to think that they should have stopped right there. I mean, that's it. That's the greatest faith. Not, oh, my God is able and my God will do it. And I thought they really let themselves down they, if they, by saying the next thing. Because the next thing they said is, even if he doesn't deliver us, he just said, oh, God will deliver us. And then they go and spoil it by saying, and even if he doesn't deliver us. But actually, I've realized after a bit that they were actually moving on to an even higher level of faith. Yes, they believed God would deliver them. But then they went on to express their total dedication to God. They're basically saying, whatever happens, he will deliver us. But even if he didn't deliver us, it makes no difference. We're still going to worship God. We're still going to love God. We're still going to trust God. Even if he doesn't deliver us, we'll stay faithful to him. We will still worship God. We will not worship your idols, O King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, they said, even if I burn, I will not bow. I'll still worship God. This wasn't lack of faith. This was total dedication and loyalty to God. You know, that's the highest faith when God is pleased with you. When it seems like your prayers aren't being answered, when it seems like everything's going wrong, you still trust God. You still worship God. That is the highest kind of faith. Do you have that kind of faith? Or do you just follow God when everything's working out well? These men were true men of faith. They'll say, we will never bow. Well, what happened next in verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and his expression changed towards them. And he spoke and he commanded the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor in his army to bind them and cast them into the fiery furnace. And, not, and they were bound, it says, in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments. And they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. You know, this is very interesting. He, his countenance changed. He was already angry. But something else came on his face as well. You know what that was? It was a bit of fear, a bit of nervousness. Because this was not strength showing with Nebuchadnezzar, but weakness. The furnace was already easily hot enough to kill these people. So why did he want it seven times hotter? Their confession of faith was so bold that the King Nebuchadnezzar was rattled. He thought, maybe their God is real. Maybe he, their God has a bit of power. They're so confident in their God. It's almost making me wonder that maybe they know what they're talking about. And he was so nervous, he thought, well, I better make sure. I better heat it up seven times. More than that, this God might rescue them in some way, so I better get, take my best men, and my best men will make sure they get thrown in. More than that, he said, well, I'm going to tie them up in every way possible. It says, they bound them in their trousers, their coats, their turban. They, he, they bound them up every way possible. But why? Because he was so nervous that their God really would rescue them. He was beginning to get worried. He was a bit afraid of God now. And more than that, we find in the next verse, he, rather than just walking away knowing that the job was done, he actually peers into the furnace just to make sure <laughs> that, they're, that they're killed. Verse 22, Therefore, because of the king's command was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the, the mighty men were all killed by the fire because it was so hot. But these three men, it says, fell down 
bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace, they were thrown into the fire. And now we see what happens to compromisers. The men who were first to bow to, to avoid being burned, they were killed. You see, what you bow to keep, you'll eventually lose. If you bow, you will end up being burnt because you're combustible. You have no strength to face the fire. But what happened to the three men? Then, verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was watching what was going on, he was astonished. And he rose in haste and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men into the midst of the fire? And they answered the king, True, O king. Look, he's answered, I see four men loose. Not just bound, but now loose. But there's four men now walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar had a big surprise. He said, I thought we threw four men, th three men in. He said, that's right, king, but I'm counting four. One, two, three, four. And that fourth man is majestic. He's radiant. He looks like the Son of God. Who is this fourth man? He says they should be burnt up, but the flames don't touch them. They were bound, but now they're free to walk. That fourth man must be protecting them. He must have loosed them. He's there walking and talking with this fourth man. Who is this fourth man? You see, they would not bow, and so they did not burn, because they didn't compromise. The fourth man turned up to be with them in the fire, and he caused the fire to have no power over them. Hallelujah. Verse 26, it says, Nebuchadnezzar says, you are the servants of the Most High God. Nebuchadnezzar got converted at this point. He says, come out here. And it says, when they came out, no head, hair of their head was singed nor were their garments affected. The smell of fire was not even on them. Isaiah 43 was fulfilled. Fear not, I've redeemed you, I've called you by name. You're mine. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt, nor shall the flames scorch you. Hallelujah. You see, the trials of life are like a fiery furnace. And if you do not bow, you will not be burned. Why? Because the fourth man will turn up in your fiery furnace. You'll walk and talk with him. He'll set you free from your bonds. He'll bring you out of that fire. And like these young men, he'll promote you. Hallelujah. The fire won't touch you because the fourth man will be with you in the fire. If you won't bow, he'll turn up and be with you. You've got to face your own fiery trials. But if you trust God, he'll be with you in the fire. He, God doesn't put you into a fiery furnace, but he will bring you out. He will not bind you, but he will loose you from your bonds. He doesn't bring sickness, but he will heal you. I don't care how big your problems are, they were not as bad as what these three young men had to face in their fiery furnace. And if you won't bow, you won't bow, burn. When they came out, there were only three men again. What happened to the fourth man? He had disappeared. He'd gone off to deliver someone else who was saying, I will not bow. But who is this fourth man? Who is this fourth man? Nebuchadnezzar was so impressed that he told everyone that you must be able to worship the God of these three young men. Nebuchadnezzar said, I don't know who this fourth man is, but he's like the son of God. Who is the fourth man? I'll tell you who he is. He's the central person of the Bible. The whole Bible's about him. The Bible only makes sense when you know 
who this fourth man is. He appears in every book. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who he is. In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. He's the one prophesied to be born of a virgin who would suffer a fatal wound, yet at the same time crush the head of the devil underfoot. He's our Noah's Ark, the refuge from judgment. He's our Isaac, God's only son, sacrificed for us. He's the angel of the Lord who wrestled with Jacob. In Exodus, he's the burning bush. He's the Passover lamb whose blood delivers us from certain destruction. In Leviticus, he's our great high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. Who is this fourth man? In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. Who is this fourth man? In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. In Esther, he's the deliverer from our enemy. And in Job, he's our ever-living redeemer. For Job said, I know that my redeemer lives. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who he is. In Psalms, he's our shepherd, our shield, our rock, our strength, our fortress, and our song. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's our deliverer from futility. And in the Song of Solomon, he's our bridegroom and the lover of our soul. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who he is. In Isaiah, he's the Prince of Peace. He's the Wonderful Counselor. He's the Mighty God. He's the Source of Everlasting Life. He's the Suffering Servant who bore our sins and sicknesses. He's our salvation from whom flows the rivers of life. He's the Anointed Deliverer, binding up the brokenhearted, opening up the prison doors, and delivering the captives, and giving us the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise, for the spirit of heaviness. Who is this fourth man? In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. In Lamentation, he's the compassionate prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the source of the river of life. And in Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fiery furnaces of life. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband. In Joel, he's the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's the mighty to save. In Jonah, he's the one risen out of the belly of hell after three days and three nights. In Micah, he's the eternal one, born as a babe in Bethlehem. In Nahum, he's the avenger of God's elect. Who is this fourth man? In Habakkuk, he's our intercessor. In Zephaniah, he's our savior who rejoices over us with dancing and singing. In Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain opened to cleanse sin. And in Malachi, he's the son of righteousness, risen with healing in his wings. Who is this fourth man? I'll tell you who he is. In the Gospels, he's the perfect man, sacrificed for our sins. In Matthew, he's the royal Messiah. In Mark, he's the wonder worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. And in John, he's the son of God. He's the bread of life, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life, the door to eternal life, the true vine, the way, the truth and the life, the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. In Acts, he's the risen Lord working. In Romans, he's our justifier. In Corinthians, he's our sanctifier. In Galatians, he's the redeemer from the curse. In Corinthians, he's our victory over death. In Ephesians, he's the Christ of unsearchable riches. Who is this fourth man? 
in Philippians. He's our God who supplies all our needs. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Thessalonians, he's our soon coming king. In Timothy, he's our mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's our faithful friend. Hallelujah. Who sticks closer than a brother? In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's our great physician. In Peter, he's our chief shepherd, soon to appear as the bright shining morning star. And in John, 1 John and 2 John and 3 John, he is love. Who is this fourth man? In Jude, he's the Lord coming with 10,000s of his saints. And in the book of Revelation, he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and the end. The conqueror of death and hell who declares, I am the living one. I was dead, but now I am alive forevermore. Who is this fourth man who will show up in your fiery furnaces. He showed up in the fiery furnace for the three young men. He'll show up in your fiery furnaces. If you don't bow, if you don't compromise, if you stand on God's word, who is this fourth man who will show up in your fiery furnace? I'll tell you who he is. He's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of the living God, your savior and your Lord and King. Jesus Christ is that fourth man who appeared in that fiery furnace. And this is a picture of what he'll do for you too. He'll turn up in your fiery furnace. He'll save you from the fires of life and he will also save you from the fires of hell if you will trust him. Whatever you're facing, he's enough to bring you through and to deliver you. In your fiery trial, if you don't bow, you will not burn because the fourth man will turn up and save you.